Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. I'm so glad that you're joining me today for the broadcast. Today, I'm talking about hope overflowing. Maybe you're listening to me today and you're wondering, why should I keep on hoping? Why should I keep on pressing forward? Why should I continue to be encouraged that God is going to come through? Maybe you've decided that enough is enough. I'm giving up hope. I quit. You ever feel that way? Maybe you're caring for somebody and the pressures of caring for that person is weighing you down. Uh, Maybe you have an elderly family member who is needing constant care and it's weighing you down. Uh, Maybe you're feeling overwhelmed by the pressure of finances and it seems like there's never ever enough month to go to pay off with the money and you're always falling short. Well, I want you to know, God offers us hope. Maybe you're listening to me today and, and you find yourself in a similar situation that my wife and I have found ourselves in over the past eight years. You know, from 2015 to the beginning of 2023, my son who uh, battles autism and and has been battling uh, autism his entire life, he's 23 years old, he's a Y2K baby. Well, from the time he turned 15 till just beginning of this year, uh, he was he was having these violent fits of rage. They were unpredictable. Uh, sometimes they'd happen two or three times a week. Uh, sometimes we'd go a week without an episode, and, and he'd have these outbursts that would come out of nowhere, and they were terrible. They were vicious. Uh, as a matter of fact, as I think back over the last eight years, uh, in the last eight years, both my wife and I and two of Seth's care providers have had to seek medical attention because we were attacked by Seth as he had uh, these outbursts. I mean, I've had to replace windshields and televisions, and I've had to repair numerous broken walls and broken doors and uh, things around the house that have been destroyed, all because of this strange and bizarre outburst that he would have. And and we were constantly on edge. As a matter of fact, I, I always kid around. I, I says, I have PTSD. Uh, that, that stands for post-traumatic stress disorder. And I said, in my case, it stands for post-traumatic Seth disorder, uh, just because of all that we went through during these eight years. And and we'd have him hospitalized. He was hospitalized numerous times, and he would come back, and it would appear that he was doing better. Uh, but then after a couple weeks home, he would go right back to the same old routine of having these unpredictable meltdowns. And these meltdowns would last anywhere between 10 minutes and 25 or 30 minutes. And it was just a terrible time. I was always on edge and uh, always fearful. Uh, It didn't matter where I was, in the back of my mind, I was worried about my son, Seth. Well, I got to be honest with you. After eight years of dealing with it, I was getting worn down. I was getting to the point where I said, no, Lord, I don't think I can handle this any longer. And I got thinking about what am I going to do as I get older and he continues to get stronger and I get weaker? And what about my family? And what about those who work with them? How are we going to move on ahead? How are we going to navigate this? And, and I began to lose hope. As a matter of fact, I, I would spend many times praying and fasting that God would bring healing. I remember crying out to the Lord, says, Lord, even if you don't heal him of his autism, would you at least heal him of having these meltdowns? This is more than we can handle. And your word has promised us that you're not going to put more on us than you put in us to bear. And if it gets too bad for us to bear, uh, that you're going to provide a way of escape. 
Well, both my wife and I were getting very discouraged. Uh, We were ready to say, what's the use of continuing on praying and hoping that God is going to heal him? Well, you know, I've been waiting several months to share that I believe that my God has healed my son of these violent fits of rage. And it is now the end of August, beginning of September of 2023. Since the year has begun, Seth has only had one episode, and that was way back in the month of February. And I'm happy to report, as far as I can see, that God has healed Seth in this area of his life. Now, as I got thinking about that, what if I gave up hope too early? What if I had thrown in the towel and says, well, forget it. I'm going to have my son institutionalized. Now, I'm not against anybody who has to make that difficult decision to put their son who has autism or their loved one who has autism into an institution. Or maybe you have a, an elderly parent that you've got to put in a nursing home. That's why God raises up these institutions. But my wife and I fervently prayed that we would be able to take care of our son and that we would be able to see him healed of these violent fits of rage. And after eight years of fervently praying over and over and over again, God has heard our prayer, and God has brought healing. When you think about your life, maybe you're at the point where you have lost hope. Well, I want you to be encouraged today from God's Word. Romans chapter 15, beginning at verse number 13, Paul is writing, and he says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we see three things here as you trust the God of hope. Yes, you get hope that is overflowing, but it also has joy and peace as you trust Him. It is actually overflowing. We're going to talk about what do I do with that overflow of hope. We'll talk about that in just a moment, okay? So hang in there. Verse number 14 says, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness. You're filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. Yet have written to you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me. What's Paul doing here? Paul's saying, I'm looking at you. I see you're filled with knowledge. You're competent to instruct one another. But I got to remind you of a couple of things. And I'm going to remind you based upon the grace that God has given me. So I'm going to minister to you as a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He says, he gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Now, again, right here is a mouthful, right? Paul is reminding us of something that every one of us needs to hear. We need to hear from a minister of Christ in our times of crisis. That's why I want to encourage you to go to church every single Sunday. Now, you go with the primary purpose of worshiping God and being a blessing to others, but you're going to discover something. As you go to be a blessing to others when you go to worship— you yourself will receive a blessing. I promise you, sometime during your worship experience on Sunday, either through the word of the pastor, the word of a brother or sister in Christ, you are going to receive encouragement. That's what Paul is talking about here. He says, God has given me this duty to proclaim the gospel. The Gentiles are going to hear and be saved. They're going to be sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Verse number 17, Paul says, Therefore, 
I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. Paul is very careful here not to steal the glory for himself. He's reminding, I think, himself that he's just a conduit. The the Lord speaks to that conduit, but all glory goes to Christ. All service is to God. He said, I'm not going to venture out to speak anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and what I have done. Now, he's talking about how this is going to take place. He says, God has gifted me by the power of signs and wonders through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Iconium, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition, he says, to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. I love how this is put together. This is a strong area of conviction, right? Because as I look at the average church in America, I thank God for the many churches throughout our country. I thank God for the churches in the Hampton Roads area. But most churches are designed to reach those who are already reached. Most churches that are growing are growing by transfer growth, not conversion growth. And Paul here saying, it's always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Jesus was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. You see, Paul struggled with this matter of hope as well. You're not the first one to struggle with hope, nor am I. Paul says, I wanted to come to you. I wanted to bring the gospel to you. I had the power of God upon me, but yet I was still hindered because the enemy didn't want me coming. Now, the enemy is a defeated foe, and ultimately, God gets the glory, and ultimately, God brings about the victory. But I believe that sometimes the Lord even allows Satan to have that ability to slow us down, to hinder us, in part, so that we can see where our hope lies. You see, if your hope is resting on the fact that God's going to accomplish what God's going to accomplish on your timetable, you will constantly lose hope. I had to rest on the fact that God was going to heal my son in his way and in his timing. Now, I wanted it to happen a whole lot sooner than it happened. I didn't want to wait eight years. I wanted it to be done in eight minutes or maybe eight days. All right, we can wait eight months. But no, God says, no, no, eight years. That's how long it's going to take. To God be the glory. Uh, We were hindered a little while, but to God be the glory, we had learned to trust God in those times of difficulty. So here's my first point. Hope is a gift from God. Paul says in verse number 15, I have written to you boldly on some points to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me. God's grace of hope was given to Paul. Now, that hope is ignited as we trust in God. You see, when my hope is diminished, it's a good sign that my hope is not in God, but it's in something that is failing me. I could not put my hope in my son. I could not put my hope in my ability to deal with him. I had to put my hope in God. You see, the grace that God provides always includes hope. That's one of the ways you know that you receive God's riches at Christ's expense is that it overflows you with hope. I am trusting God. 
I find my hope in him. There's something else about this hope. It's also provided by the Holy Spirit. So God gives us this gift of hope when we trust him, and then it is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Let's look how Paul talks about this in Romans 5, 5. He says, hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts. How? Through the Holy Spirit, who he has given to us. Now, I believe one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given us is the gift of hope. I mean, after all, that is what his promises are designed to do. His promises are designed to inspire us with hope. You see, it gives us this ability to look at any situation and know that regardless of how it may appear, God's coming through. No matter how hopeless it may be, God is going to come through. That is the essence of hope. You don't need hope if you know how something's going to work out. You see, I don't have the hope that I'm going to have the money to pay my bills when I already got the money in the bank. I have to trust that God's going to come through when I don't have the money. I need hope when I don't have resources. Now, if you're honest, the challenges of life can sometimes seem overwhelming, right? I know because I have faced challenges just like you. When these challenges attack, the thing they often come after is our hope. They try to move you from hopefulness to despair, but it doesn't have to be the case. Today, I want you to stand tall. I want you to be encouraged by the hope that dwells within you. I want to answer the question, what is hope? But I want you to more often than know just the definition of hope, I want you to experience hope. You see, hope is that confident expectation that Christ is going to come through. Hope is believing the promise that my God, according to Philippians 4.19, that my God shall supply for all of my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. You see, hope is this wonderful gift that God has given us. So if you want to walk in victory, you must be filled with hope. Well, let's look at the second benefit of hope. Not only is hope a gift, but hope grows as I depend on God. We're looking at Romans 15. Look at verse number 13. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's unpack this verse. The God of hope fills you with joy as you trust in him. Joy and peace. So we can say that the more I trust him, the more my hope grows, the more I'm filled with joy and peace, the more I actually will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, when we think about overflowing, the same thing happens to us when we exercise giving, that gift of giving. Jesus said, give, and it shall be given unto you. Press down, running over, shall men give to you from their bosom, right? So the more we give, the more we overflow with blessings. Now, this is a hard lesson to learn, right? Because I'm an old tightwad Irishman uh, who can squeeze a nickel, uh, a buffalo nickel so tight that it will start crying pennies. But I have learned the benefit of being generous. Now, we're not to be generous just to receive gifts in return. We're to be generous because of what Christ has done for us. 
I am generous because the Lord has been generous to me. I mean, Jesus gave his very best. He gave his very life for me. How in the world could I be a tightwad when he's given me everything? The same holds true with this matter of hope. I will overflow with hope the more I have my confidence in him. Now, if we have our confidence in something else, we will be gravely disappointed. It doesn't say, as you trust others, you'll overflow in hope. No, it says, as you trust him. Him is the direct object of this sentence. Him is referring to Christ. The God of hope fills you with all joy and peace as you trust Christ so that you may overflow with him by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, as we grow in this hope, and this hope overflows, what do we do with that hope that overflows? I think that we should be investing in others. As a matter of fact, I taught a discipleship class just this past Wednesday night at our church, and and, uh, we had a whole bunch of people there going through the materials. And I says, you know, one of the things that you got to learn is to trust, right? Trust God. And then if you trust God, you will find that you have a greater capacity to trust other people. So we did this thing called the trust fall. And uh, we found a candidate who was willing to get on the stage and on top of a chair and turn backwards. And then we found eight people that were lined up on the floor. And this individual was going to cross his arms back to the eight people that were going to catch him. And he was going to lay himself back uh, and he's going to just let himself fall. Okay, it's called the trust fall. Uh, you probably have seen it or maybe you've actually done it. Now, I've done a trust fall before. Theoretically, it looks like this is a piece of cake. These people will willingly catch me. I have nothing to worry about. Well, I had people in the front row. They were panic-stricken, right? Say, wait a minute. I don't think we should do this. Uh, This is dangerous. Somebody's going to get hurt. I said, oh, yeah, you know, this is dangerous. Uh, Matter of fact, maybe I should get this individual uh, to sign a, a release form so he doesn't sue the church and doesn't sue these eight individuals if they happen to miss him or drop him. But I said, no, no, trust is understanding that God is in control. And if these are my brothers and sisters in Christ, I can trust them also. So this person got up there, crossed his arms, leaned right back. And as you're leaning back, everything is good. And you get to that point of no return? Because all of a sudden you feel like I am going to fall and nobody's going to be able to catch me. But they caught him. Oh, it was such a joyous thing to see that take place. You know, when you think about trusting others, it's an investment in others if you trust them. I have found that the more I trust Christ, the more my confidence is in Him, the more I can trust others. Maybe you're listening to me today and say, man, I've got major trust issues. And you're thinking your problem is with people. No, really, your problem is with God. You refuse to trust him. That's why you don't trust other people, because you really haven't trusted God. Now, if all my needs come from God, if God shall supply all my needs, why do I worry about trusting others and that trust being broken? Now, I'm not talking about being foolish, and I'm not talking about walking around with a kick-me sign on the back of me, but I'm talking about healthy brothers and sisters in Christ trusting one another. You know, when I made this point in my service at my church, I pointed out several people in my congregation. And I says, as I look about this congregation, I said, you know, if, if I'm ever in a burning building, I pointed out, I says, man, I want this guy, Lonnie, I want him coming after me. Why? He's a trained firefighter. He loves me. And I said, he'll knock down doors to come rescue me. I says, I trust him. 
I have that confidence in him. And then I pointed out several of the people in the congregation that I trusted. And they were trusted with different matters, right? And that's what trust does. If you're always suspicious of people, it's a spiritual problem. Now, I know that we're not to be a spiritual doormat for every person that comes down the pike. I were to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. But listen, when we can truly trust God, we can learn to trust God's people, investing in others. Hope is a gift. Hope grows as I depend on God. You know what I think about the whole existence of God. Science cannot provide a solution for the deepest needs of our hearts. You know, there's actually an atheist website, and you can go on this website and you can make comments. And I was reading a book by Josh and Sean McDowell about the resurrection, and they had this illustration in that book, and it said, you know, there's a woman or a little girl, rather, I don't know how old she was, but she posted on an atheist website. This is what she said. I'm confused. I always believed that science would be the cure-all for all my problems. But I don't know if I can keep living without eternal life. I guess I just have to find a way myself to make it through this meaningless existence. I just wish I knew of someone who could show me the path to eternal life. If science can't provide the answers, though then, who or what can? And then she has this sigh. Doesn't it seem like there is a higher power that gives our lives purpose? Well, science says there isn't, so there isn't. Have you ever felt like this girl? Can you relate to her angst? Have you ever really wondered, is an atheistic universe, is there any point at all? Even Bertrand Russell, the late influential philosopher who was an atheist, admitted an atheistic universe is truly meaningless. You see, hope is in short supply in our culture these days. If life as one sees it now on this pain-filled planet is all there is, then existence is indeed meaningless. And one must, as this girl says, find a way myself. She realizes there is nothing meaningful in life without understanding and experiencing eternal life. She once expected that science was going to be providing a way for humans to live forever. But she has come to realize that it can't. At one point in history, there was a band of people who trusted somebody they fervently believed in who would truly change the world for good. That's right, a handful of devout Jewish people thought a man named Jesus was the Messiah, the Deliverer, who would break their oppressive bondage under the Romans and set up a permanent in a truly godly kingdom on earth. Their prophet Isaiah had prophesied in the ancient Jewish writings that the Messiah would come and he would restore all things to a paradise where there would be no more fighting, no more oppression, no more fear, no more death. Everyone would live together in peace forever. You see, that is only found in Jesus Christ. Everlasting life is not found within ourselves. 
It is found only in Christ. Peter said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Well, I so appreciate you tuning in today. We have learned two things so far about hope. We have learned that hope is this wonderful gift that God gives us. Without God, there is no hope. There's no hope in your life without a relationship with Christ. Number two, we learn that hope can grow as we depend upon God. Would you join me tomorrow for the rest of this message on hope that is overflowing? We're going to learn tomorrow that hope is a grant that is given to us that actually multiplies. So join me tomorrow as we continue on this theme, Overflowing Hope. And now if I can pray for you, I would be honored to be able to do that. Just shoot me a text message at 252-267-2365. 252-267-2365. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So thankful that you have joined me today for the broadcast. I'm praying for you. I'm asking God to restore your hope, that it be a hope that is overflowing so that you can be a blessing to others. Thanks again for listening. I look forward to talking with you tomorrow. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.